You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and joining me in just a second will be Jonathan Havercroft from Southampton, England. Earlier we released our 2021 Scotties Review and Awards, but we have something special for you right now. We are going to take you Inside the Calgary curling bubble, we were fortunate enough to talk with Amanda Gates. She is the lead for Team Northern Ontario, skipped by Krista Burns, and she is going to take us through her team's preparation for entering the Calgary bubble, what it was like for them once they were there, the impacts that it had on really everybody, uh, and what made this such a unique event. She's also going to take us kind of through her unique place in Scotty's history. As you'll hear, she has participated in a different format every single time she's been there. So she's going to give us some perspective on that. She's also going to tell us about what it's like to represent Northern Ontario and what it's like to curl out of there. So a lot of really interesting conversation. We are very excited that Amanda was able to join us. So let's get to our conversation with Amanda Gates, the lead from Team Northern Ontario. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. And I guess just to get started, can you just um, kind of start from the beginning and let everyone know like where you're from, what it was like growing up there, and then how you got into curling? Yeah, sure. So um, Amanda Gates, I'm from Sudbury in Northern Ontario. Um, I got into curling because my parents curled and my sister and I kind of spent all of our time watching them at the club. And then uh, one day, you know, we just kind of got the offer to try it ourselves. And then I, I started curling and I liked it. And then there was a time when I was kind of not sure I wanted to continue curling. But then I got into uh, got on a competitive team. And then from there, just addiction after that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what was it what was it about uh curling that that got you addicted was it that competition um it's kind of a combination of competition and the social aspect of the sport I'm a very competitive person but I'm also a very social person so it's kind of the perfect sport for me uh so once I got on a competitive team and started traveling and getting to hang out with people that I really enjoyed my friends I liked that part and then starting to win uh, made it even more and more exciting so then I just kept loving it and kept getting into it more and more. So you, you just got back from the Calgary bubble and this was, this was obviously a season unlike any other. Tell us what your season was like. Were you able to get any ice time? Was your club open this year? And were you, were you able to play with your team in any competitions prior to entering the bubble? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, um, the season started we got our ice in, I believe, end of October, and I play. Uh, so my the, the team that went to the Scotties isn't all in Sudbury, so the only people in Sudbury were me and Sarah, and so we were playing with uh, Sarah Colton, who is on the Northwest Territories team, and my sister in a league, and I believe we got three league games in, 
And then we never really threw a practice rock because we kind of thought the season wasn't really going to happen. Um, so we didn't really, we kind of took it as a year off. And then we got a phone call to go to the Scotties. <laughs> Is that that Northern Ontario Super League that like Krista McCarville plays in and Al Hackner plays in? No, we actually live, so Sudbury's like, is about 12 hours away from Thunder Bay. So unfortunately we don't get to compete against any of the teams from there. We kind of have our own, I would say it's, it's, it's like a little super league here. We call it an all sorts league. So basically it's just any of the top teams in town uh, from any category. So it could be a men's team, seniors team, junior team, the university team usually plays in it. So we get a lot of really good games in it. Um, Normally in a normal season this year, the league was a little bit smaller than normal. I think a lot of teams just didn't think it was going to be much of a season. So didn't really bother signing up. So we're lucky we have, we have a league that we at least get some good games in normally. So how, how did this selection work? I guess there was a little bit of news in the press that Northern Ontario was going to select its team. Mm-hmm. Then there was a story that Krista McCarville's team, I guess, got invited first because they'd won the year before, I assume. And you, you were the runners up the year before. Yes. So was it just a matter of they went down from last year's results or was it off CTRS points? Uh, no, the board decided just to go down the list from last year's results, that that was just the easiest way of doing it. I think it kind of worked out that it would have been CTRS would have been the same anyways. Um, but yeah, so McCarville definitely got the first offer being the the winners from last year. And then when they declined, um, I got a phone call from our director and, and with the offer for us to go. So it was, inter- I, I kind of knew I'm, I'm actually on the board. So I was kind of kept myself out of the decision process, but I could hear what they were saying. And I knew that was kind of be a possibility coming down the line. Um, I wasn't sure our team would be able to play in it with all the commitments that everyone had kind of made instead of curling this year, but it ended up working out. So was there, was it hesitation or was it just the time commitment? What, what were the concerns then uh, before you decide to accept? A lot of the concern was for the girls that are in school. So Megan and Krista are both in school in Southern Ontario. So for them, a lot of it was, will they be able to get the time off to go? And then for a while, there was the possibility that they would have to strict isolate for two weeks coming back and whether they could do that with um, with schoolwork and things that they needed to take care of in that time. So it ended up working out that most of their schooling is online anyway. So the girls were actually doing a lot of classes while we were there. I know Megan did some teaching long distance and Krista was was in lectures and, and uh, sitting in classes while we were there. So they managed to kind of work around a little bit. But basically the hesitation was just if we could, if they could get the time away from school. For Sarah, she's a healthcare worker. She's a nurse at the hospital. So whether she could get the time off, um, for me, I knew, I knew my boss would be supportive. So I was okay. But it was more just whether or not people could take the time and then worrying about the possibility of isolating coming back. Was there a specific moment either before going to Calgary or after you arrived there where it really hit home that, you know, this was going to be unlike really any other curling tournament you'd ever taken part in? I think that we kind of always knew it was going to be something different, but we ended up having a call with Curling Canada, I believe two or three weeks before we left and they kind of outlined everything for us. And after that call, we had like a little team chat and we were, we all kind of just were okay. (laughs) I think that was kind of the moment we realized that there was going to be a lot of new things in place and 
rules and and uh, regulations and guidelines and stuff we had to follow and things we had to keep track of that made it completely different than any other event. So it was probably a couple weeks prior. It was definitely after we had accepted that then we found out a lot more. So uh, that was kind of an interesting way of going about things. But yeah, probably about a couple weeks before is when we knew it was going to be a lot different. Well, what, what was that like? Were they like trying to scare you into following protocols or were they just trying to set out like how serious they were they were going to be taking things yeah it was kind of kind of both a little bit it was it was uh basically them i think bottom line was the whole point of the meeting was to make us feel safe that we were going to be safe in the bubble which we did at the end of the meeting you know i was kind of like okay good they have all these things in place that we should be fine um there was definitely moments of you know you you can't break the bubble because this is the consequence and the consequences were harsh. But I think that the reason for that was just to, again, keep us safe. So it was more just an information session and them trying to make sure that the players all felt like going to the bubble was the right decision and that Curling Canada was doing everything possible to keep our health uh, priority. And definitely we got that out of the meeting. It was just the other, you know, kind of having it all come to reality that this is actually the way it's going to be run was kind of the shocking part of the meeting. So you're the only member of your team who's played in the Scotties before, right? Is yes. that correct? Or, yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> I guess normally it's on you to kind of help prepare the, I think you're the vet to help prepare the the rookies, I guess, for, for a big event like the Scotties. But was that different this year? Was it like so strange for you too, that you just didn't really have that much experience to, to help guide them? Yeah, um, I, there was a few things that I could kind of give advice on, um, you know, with games and kind of how the week runs. But ultimately, it was basically a new event for me as well, because for me, all the fun parts were gone. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> curling is the fun part, but all the fans and like all that kind of, uh, you know, the part where you get to be a little bit of a celebrity for a week wasn't there. So I didn't really have to prepare them for anything like that. It was mostly just you know, me explaining to them that, you know, they've played, the girls have all played at national championships and won national championships. So they didn't really need too much advice about what it's like to compete at a national, but I kind of was trying to explain to them that how this is just a little bit of a level up it's level up with, you know, the teams that you're going to play the way it's run. And then, but ultimately the whole thing was new to me too. So I, I couldn't really help them much with stuff, which is unfortunate because You'd hope you have a vet on the team for a reason. And I hope I helped with other things. <laughs> Once you got there, what were the, the safety protocols like? Did you have to, you know, what did you have to do before you traveled? And then once you got there and then during the competition? Yeah. So before we left, we had to get a COVID test within 72 hours of our flight or and submit it. So we had to have a negative COVID test right before. So we did that on the Sunday and we flew out on the Monday or the Wednesday morning. Once we landed, we had to go rent, get our rental vehicle and go straight to the venue where we got tested again. And then once we had our test done, we all had to head to the hotel, check in and then go to our separate rooms. So we weren't allowed to see each other until the next day when we got our, we had to get our first test results back negative. Then we were allowed to go and have our team practice. So we all got together at the arena. We hopped in the car, went to the arena, had our first team practice for an hour, had our second COVID test done. We got back to the hotel. We had to self-isolate again until we got the second test results back. And once we got the second test results back, we were then allowed to get together as a team 
for uh, some meetings and to get together to kind of spend some time together. Um, each day, the way the protocols went was you had to, you got a notification on your phone every morning to go through a checklist of, you know, the different symptoms. Do you have any go through? Then you had to go downstairs, take your temperature, submit your temperature. And then you would get an access, like a green access that you were good to leave the building. To leave the building, you had to show a security guard that you had the green approval and you had to scan a barcode that was on your player pass. Then when you got to the venue, you had to show them again, you had the green approval and you had to scan in. So then it was the reverse going back, scanning out to go back to the hotel and scanning in when we got there, just so that they could keep track of where all the players were and that we were all good to go with our, uh, our symptoms. And then again, in the afternoon, you had to go through the same symptom checklist and take your temperature again. So that was twice a day. And then a couple days in, they sent an email out advising that we weren't allowed to hang out as a team anymore only for team meetings. So then that kind of went backwards a little bit, but uh, then we were only allowed to get together. It was a guideline that we could only get together for team meetings. So basically I, we spent a lot of time in hotels and just the hotel in the arena was the only places that we were. <laughs> wow. So, so there's like basically no social interaction with anyone, not even your team. That was the, that was basically what they were asking us to do. Yeah. So we still were able to get together a little bit for team meetings after the games and um, uh, pretty much after the day five test or so, you know, they, they suggested it was a guideline that we didn't get together. But at that point we all felt that we could at least sit together for, you know, watch a show or watch a curling game. So we did a little bit of that, but not much. It was a lot of, it was just alone time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was that hard? Cause I, I mean, like the, the, some days you didn't even play a game at all, or maybe just one game a day, then like you have to be in your room the rest of the time. Right. Or. Yeah, it was, it was very hard. Um, I'm an extrovert. And so for me, it was very, very hard for some of the teams. I know some of the players on other teams, I think weren't, were, were okay with it. Cause they don't, they're fine with having a little bit of alone time, but it was definitely hard for me. Um, I have a TikTok account that I made some videos, which, you know, that's the only thing I had, I had lots of time to do videos on TikTok. <laughs> so I was hoping to get famous and wouldn't have to go back to work. It didn't happen. But uh, yeah, we're basically just a lot of alone time. And it worked okay, though, because with some of our um, my teammates, you know, with being in school and stuff, they would have had to do that anyways. And ultimately, when you're at a Scotty's, you don't spend a ton of time socializing with other teams. You know, I kind of reflected on it when I saw the rules and I just kind of thought, you know, have I really hung out with a lot of the teams anyways? Like you're kind of so busy curling and then napping or eating and then curling again that you don't really have a lot of time for hanging out anyways. The The day of no curling was very long. We found out later in the week we could have had a practice. So <laughs> if we would have known, we would have done that. We did not know that. Uh, lots of emails, lots of emails. So things get lost. But uh, so it was definitely challenging. It was way different than anything I think any of us have ever experienced before. <laughs> so how did food work? Were you, were you like always doing room service? Could you, was there a restaurant you were allowed to go into? Was there space to cook your own food? So what they did was they tried to make sure that each one, at least one person on the team had like a suite. So you kind of had a little bit of an area where you could kind of put together some food. The first two days or three days, we could only do, we could only do room service. We weren't allowed to do 
um, skip the dishes or take out or anything like that. So we could only do room service for the first couple of days. But then after that, we could um, order from wherever we wanted. We got groceries. I brought actually a fondue pot that was very handy. I could make soups in it. I found out I could make scrambled eggs. So <laughs> I was making lots <laughs> of stuff in the room. I actually just ordered a toaster from Amazon and had it just delivered right to the hotel. I left it actually for one of the Briar team's. Turns out you're not supposed to have a toaster in a hotel, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I was told that by front desk, but she kind of gave me a wink, wink. You know? um, but uh, yeah, we did a little bit of cooking in our rooms, uh, a little bit of takeout. So it's kind of a combination of all of it. They did have a restaurant in the hotel that you could go down and eat in. So we I think we did that once or twice, which it was just the same kind of food the whole time, though. So we tra- we did a little bit more takeout. Our skip, uh, Krista, is actually an expert restaurant picker, and we had some great, uh, great meals that she chose. <laughs> You mentioned before that none of the the fun things were there, you know, other than the absence of the fans in the stands. Was there anything in particular that was missing that just made you think, man, this is just not the Scotties? Yeah, so I thought about that was a good question because I needed to actually think about that. And I think one of the things that was missing that's normally a very special part of the Scotties is at the beginning of the week, they do um, a jewelry ceremony and everyone gets so I don't know if if, you know like at the Scotties you get jewelry for if you win your provincial so when you win your first provincials you get a necklace that has the four hearts and then as you keep winning you get diamonds added to it until it's full and then it becomes you get a bracelet and they fill that so at the beginning of the Scotties they normally have a jewelry ceremony which is like a little either banquet or or a get-together and everybody gets presented their jewelry and they kind of announce what everyone's got you know like you know, it'd be Amanda from Northern Ontario receiving her third diamond, you know, so then everyone's like, ooh, you know, so it's kind of, and Carrie Galusha's always up there barely able to carry her diamonds off the stage, you know, because she has a full bracelet. So I think that's kind of the one thing that, that always made the Scotty special, you know, Kruger treats us so well and, and that's always been a fun part. And so that was really missing this year. And I feel, I feel for the new people that weren't there that didn't get to kind of be part of such a special, a special uh, little event that we normally get to do. So what was it, what was the competition like this year? Like I, I, from watching it at home, it kind of seemed like teams were just a little bit less sharp with like, especially with draws and touch shots, just probably because they didn't really have a full season to play or practice. Do you think that's accurate? I would say so at the beginning of the week, I think everyone was just trying to get the kinks out and figure out, you know, how to um, get more precision. I I think that it got hard. It was harder to get, you know, to take that foot off of weight. It was, you know, we're kind of back to the days where it's like, you know, you throw it heavy, then you throw it light instead of finding the, the weight, the next one. So I do think early in the week, it was a bit of a struggle to try to figure out you know, the arena ice and get back into a routine. But I, I do think that the top teams, you know, kind of midweek were right up to speed and, and definitely near the end of the week, I think they were all throwing really, really well. So I think for some of the teams, it was more of a struggle with not like, I know for our team, it was really hard with the girls being, you know, their first time, it's not their first time on arena ice, but being in that venue and also not having practice made it, it harder and harder. But for the top teams, I think that they, they picked it up pretty quickly and they, by the end of the week were, were throwing really well. So was that the biggest challenge for your team having had such a limited season? And it sounds like the first time you guys ever got together was for that very first practice at the arena. It might've been the first time you'd even seen each other all year. So was, was that the biggest challenge just getting, you know, getting back, getting back into the flow of things like that? 
Yeah, definitely. So yeah, our first practice was the first time our skip through a rock since March of last year. So it was definitely a first time she'd thrown a rock. Yeah. Wow. Because she was living down. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, we did pretty good. I think you know some wins in, but yeah, that was the first time our team got together this season. Was first practice at the Scotties, and I, I think more so what the challenge was for us was you know, we're all very competitive people and we all have high standards for ourselves. And it was kind of having to accept that we were only going to be able to be so good because with the lack of practice and, you know, with the pressure of the situation. And I think a lot of us, you know, I think that was kind of, it was more of a mental game for us. It was kind of, you know, you haven't had practice, so give yourself some grace sort of situation. And that's why going in, we never set a goal of any kind of outcome. We never set a, how many wins we wanted or anything like that, because we ultimately didn't know how it was going to go or how (laughs) other teams were going to be or how we were going to fare against them. So we kind of tried to take a little bit of pressure off ourselves and, and give ourselves like grace on the shots. And so I think that was kind of the hardest part because we're all, we've all been curling forever. I mean, the lack of practice just this year is, is just that it's only for the one year that we have in practice, but we've all put in the time. It's just giving ourselves, you know, the, the understanding that you're never, you're not going to curl hundred percent. You're not going to curl 90% necessarily. If you can, you know, get an 80 game, you had a great game because that's pretty good considering you haven't thrown rocks. So I think it was more mental for us than it was uh, anything else. I will say for, as a, as a spectator, that's kind of what made this more fun to watch was that any given draw, you had no idea what was going to happen. Like one team could have been playing really well and the other really bad, but because, you know, there's no consistency because there was no season. It was just like, yeah, I'm tuning in because I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was like that for us too. <laughs> Locking in here against Team Canada, you're like, well, we might have a chance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Or even in the game itself, like our UConn game, we were down playing nine. We were down, I think, three, and then we got a five-ender. You know, like, wow. just, okay, let's keep going. So you were never out of a game, and you were never behind in a game. Like, you were never, like when you stepped in, you never had to worry about – you could just possibly win every game. It's kind of it's – kind of ex- I agree it was exciting for the players as well. So I'm glad the fans liked it. <laughs> um. There's going to be four, possibly six more events in this bubble because they they haven't announced what they're going to do with World Women's or World Mixed Doubles. Um, So there's going to be a lot more teams coming in. What advice do you have for other teams that are coming to this bubble to compete? Yeah, I think for advice in the bubble, it's kind of just, you have to kind of just accept that this is what it is. And really enjoy your time on the ice. Like for us, we had so much fun on the ice and that made it easier to then go back to your room and and sit by yourself because you knew another game was coming at some point, you'd be able to be back out there. So the curling itself was still fun and amazing and the reason why you're there. So kind of just remembering that you're there to curl and you're there to compete and the other stuff is just kind of what you got to go through to do that. So I think just everyone smile. (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people are jealous of us getting to curl i've gotten like a lot of messages from friends all over a friend in the states that's just dying to curl and watching us just made them jealous so people are jealous of us so just smile and be happy you get to do it (laughs) yeah we're we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the last rock i threw so (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so um i guess 
one of the big questions right now is what's going to happen with Olympic trials qualifying. I know Curling Canada released like a really long document that honestly I couldn't make heads or tails of, but um, maybe I wonder, do you have a sense of what the impact of the Scotties is for your team? And are you, you're, you're obviously planning to make a trials run, I assume. Actually, no, and, we're not. Uh, we're not trying to make a trials run. Actually, <laughs> this okay. is my first. This is my first. Uh, not trials run. I did the past two years with team flurry and then kind of just took a step back a little bit from it's a, it's a lot of commitment to have to do the, the run for the trials. You got to, you know, compete a ton over a numerous amounts of years to then be a ranking that puts you into possibly the pre-trials and you got to try to make it through the pre-trials and then hopefully get to the trial. So it was just too much of a commitment for, for me personally at this time. And same I'm with my teammates. They're just, you know, finishing up school, starting their careers. It wasn't a, it's not a time for um, that kind of commitment. So we were just basically playing Scotty's. Scotty was kind of more what we were aiming for a lot, like what Team McCarvel does. I mean, Team McCarvel is the same where they just kind of aim for Scotty's and see where they fall in the Olympic process when it comes. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely complicated this year because of all the restructuring. So I, I don't know too much about what's going on either. I'm uh, still very close with Tracy Flurry, and I know she's in the trials, and that's all that matters to me. <laughs> so is your team planning to stick together for next season or you haven't even really thought about that or where where are you now with uh with your competitive curling yeah so we haven't we haven't talked about it um everyone's kind of all over the place with their careers in school i know that uh, krista landed a placement in uh she'll be leaving town again to go to a placement that'll last until i believe december sarah's looking to do some traveling for for work so it's kind of up in the air for where everyone's going to be. Uh, on a personal note, my sister and I have been trying to play together for a very long time. So I'm hoping that her and I will get a chance next year. Uh, we were hoping to play together this year, but things didn't work out. I'm hoping a pandemic's not a sign that two Gateses shouldn't be on the same team. I'm hoping <laughs> that that's just a side thing. But uh, yeah, my sister and I have been wanting to play together for a very long time. We've competed against each other forever, and uh, we're we're... You know, we're trying to take a load off our parents' brains, having to watch us. She's, <laughs> she played on Team McCarvel the past two years, and we competed against each other in the Scotties finals, the provincial finals. Um, and looking up at our parents, I think only my mom made it last year. My dad couldn't do another year of watching the final. So we're trying to play together, and then uh, hopefully that'll go well. We definitely want to play mixed one day, um, but women's, we're trying to see if we can put something together. So it's just waiting to see what happens with the world and who's available to play. So we do, we do have a final question that I can't wait to get to because I can't wait to hear the answer. But I do want to kind of ask you about Northern Ontario. Okay. Well, first of all, like when I first got into curling as an American recently, um, I had to ask Jonathan why Northern Ontario had separate representation then, well, then at the Briar and now at both the Briar and the Scotties. Um, and so just tell us, like, what is it about Northern Ontario that's unique and what makes curling and what, what's unique about curling in Northern Ontario and just what makes it special for you? Okay. Um, well, I think one thing about Northern Ontario and the reason why we are kind of a separate province for sure is it, it was like that before. And then it kind of got taken like Northern Terror was part of the original back in the way back in the day, it was its own separate province. And then it ended up Scotty's. It ended up becoming just all of Ontario. But one thing I think people don't understand is the geography of our province. So back when we were all Ontario, we played a provincial in Kenora. So Kenora, Ontario is in the same time zone as Manitoba. So it was a different time zone than 
the rest of the province and anyone from Ottawa would have had to flown to Winnipeg and then driven to Kenora. So it's the ge- geography of our province makes it very, very difficult to uh, like kind of compete against each other. You know, you asked me about the major league in Thunder Bay. I would love to play in that major league, but I'd have to fly an hour oh, wow. to get there. <laughs> but like, you know, there's no way to, to kind of do that. So I think one thing about our province and, and it's the same with the territories is just the distance but that we have to travel to compete against each other and to even find teammates. Like I played with uh, Jenna Inge for a long time out of Thunder Bay and we would just meet up at competitions because she lived 12 hours away from us. But to us, that was normal. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. I think Southern Terror would think that's crazy. You would never have a teammate that lived that far away. Now there's lots of imports and a little bit, it's a little bit more common. And then what makes it special? I don't know. I feel like it's just, the people up here are great. We, it's great up here. You got to come. <laughs> uh, the Wearing the green and gold, I think, as a curler in Northern Ontario, the colors you get to wear is always the most special. And I just found out why it's green and gold. I didn't realize that that's because that's the color of our trees. They're more green oh, and gold. We yeah. have less reds. And someone told me that, and I never knew. And then I felt dumb because I've been wearing it for so long. I didn't realize it's the color of our trees. <laughs> that was my next question because you represented Ontario in 2012 with Tracy. And then you were actually the first team to represent Northern Ontario in 2015 after they they brought Northern Ontario back. Like, do you remember like what the difference was for you between representing just Ontario and representing Northern Ontario? And then what it was like that, you know, the difference in the crowd between when you were on team Ontario and team Northern Ontario? Yeah. Um, I don't think there was too much difference. I feel like people are very supportive of where you you represent like you represent Ontario and everyone just got behind you as team Ontario I have to say the uniforms for team Ontario were a little bit nicer with the black slimming (laughs) so that was a little bit nicer but (laughs) I do love the green and gold um I think that we just we felt the same like you feel very supported at the Scotties is that's why it's so wonderful the Scotties and the Briar because the provinces and the territories truly get behind their representatives no matter where they're from and you get messages from all over from people cheering you on. We got messages from people all over Canada that were just born and raised in Northern Ontario and sending us messages. It was pretty special though, to be the first team Northern Ontario. I do have to say that, that that's something that we'll always, we'll always treasure. And it's pretty cool that it's the exact same team. So we have a, the, my full team that year has a set of Ontario jackets and a set of Northern Ontario jackets, same four girls, which I don't know how often that happens. You are a very unique player in Scotty's history because I believe you and Tracy are probably the only two players to compete in both a pre the the Scotty's pre round from when they had that when they had relegation and then also play in the playoffs. And now on top of that, you have now since Tracy did not go, you are now the only one to have done that and gone to the bubble. So, like, what when you think about it, like, what what is your what is your preferred uh, what is your preferred Scotties format? Because you also played in a twelve team Scotties, so you've played in a twelve team Scotties. You played in uh, a relegation Scotties. You've played in an eighteen team Super Scotties in a bubble. Like, do you have a preference? <laughs> I've played. Yeah, every time I've gone, it's been a different format. Because this, like, I played in. Yeah, I played in the full full round robin, then the relegation, then the. Uh, yeah, always different. I feel like I really liked the full round robin, getting to play everybody. It the first time with the pools, 
you never saw anybody from the other pool. And same with this, this time, you never saw anyone from the other pool, which I know they did that on purpose just to limit the amount of contact with people. But the round robin just always gives you that you get to see everybody and you get to play everybody. And I kind of like that traditionalist a little bit, but I, I don't dislike the pools if it brings in, I know the the constant conversation is that, you know, they want all the top teams in, but you also want your representatives from each province and territory. So if that's the only way to, to please everybody by having the pools, then I'm, I'm definitely okay with having the pools as well. So, but it's been interesting. My Scotty's every time I've been, it's been something new. <laughs> so I'm a veteran yet not <laughs> who knows what the next one will hold. I only go every three years. So in three years, we'll see what it's like. I saw this I saw this during the week. Can you please explain to anyone who might be unfamiliar, including me, what is Gates Day? Including me. I don't I don't know either. So um basically Gates Day. So um back when I played on Team Flurry, I was in the pre-trials in Summerside, and a couple of my friends came up from Halifax to cheer me on. They surprised me. Actually, I didn't know they were coming at all. And they made big cardboard cutouts of my face. One was a very nice photo and the other one was a very hideous photo <laughs> that I know exactly who sent it to them. So it's, so it kind of started there, I guess, that they just kind of came out to try to support me. And uh, we've, we've this kind of group of friends that all celebrate Gates Day, I guess, is all people that I've met through curling for, you know, it's been a decade. We've known each other since, you know, 2006 or, or older and I asked them what Gates Day was because I'm not really sure either um, so I have some answers from them um, uh, one said Gates Day is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow uh, Gates Day is an ice cold beer on a warm summer's day Gates Day is world peace Gates Day is friendship Gates Day is happiness and Gates Day is basically something my friends made up to inspire me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's never the same day. I never know when it's coming. I've been told it could be numerous days a year. Uh, <laughs> we've celebrated it in December, May, July, and now February. So I, I never know. But <laughs> it was very nice to wake up to uh, that video. I know that they all, um, they actually, this group of friends actually all helped me kind of prepare a little bit too, with gyms being closed. One of them challenged me, my friend Tommy challenged me to some little workouts each day and kept me accountable. And it's just, a, this is another wonderful thing about curling, right? You make friends with people from all over. None of us live, you know, even close to each other. So they're all across, you know, from Seattle to Halifax to, you know, I have friends in Europe and, and further. And it's just, it basically was just a day that they created to just boost me up and make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> they're wonderful <laughs> i think we all need friends like that can i be friends with them <laughs> yeah you guys did day too exactly it's yeah they just they knew the bubble was hard for me and tommy put together that video of everyone you know wishing me good luck and, and saying uh some words that made me feel good during the during a tough week so it was just nice yeah gates day is just my day <laughs> it's a thing they wanted me to tell you it's a thing gates day is a thing <laughs> all right Amanda, thank you so much for t uh, taking us inside the bubble for a little bit, and uh, good luck uh, the rest of the way. Good luck getting through the rest of this pandemic, and then once things get started next season as well. Thanks so much. It was great. Good chatting with you guys.
Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.